Know what to eat, but find yourself not eating it. Perhaps you've been on diets and off again, and just wonder why you can't stick to them. The Eating For You podcast, hosted by me, Sally Ann Pisk, will show you what's been missing so you can enjoy a healthier way of eating that lasts. Hi, Sally Ann with you today, and it's my pleasure to have our resident fitness expert, Angela Mills, with me today. Hello, Sally Ann. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And uh, we've got a really interesting topic today, and it's something that I feel that we probably need to think more about, and that is having strong bones and what we can do from both an exercise and movement point of view, but also how we feed ourselves and the impact that has on our bone health. Yes, that is a very important topic because especially as we age, bone density starts to decline and that itself you know, comes with a whole host of discomfort and, and illness and we'll probably go into that at another time with regards to you know, how to actually deal with osteoporosis. But really even from a much younger age, having healthy bones is really important for our overall body health and good body movement. Yes, and, and I think, you know, I always remember learning and, and the research still states this, that, you know, we reach bone density or that peak bone density. density mass at around 30 years of age. And, you know, if you're listening and thinking, well, I was 30, you know, many years ago, yes. what can I do about it now? Well, we'll talk about that today as well. And I think once for women, especially we've gone through menopause, it's about maintaining what we have. Um, The research certainly indicates that prior to menopause would be the best time to Mm. max out what we could do with our bones. But just because we've gone through menopause doesn't mean we we can't do anything to look after ourselves, keep that independence, that mobility, and just keep enjoying life. Absolutely. And yes, that's very true, Sally-Ann, in that it's significantly easier to build bone density before menopause, you know, perimenopause. But it is something that continually start without us continually actually doing you know the right sort of exercise the right sort of movement the right sort of nutrition it will start to decline through life and that's why often with bone issues they don't really emerge until we do get into our you know late 60s 70s but it is something that has been declining for a long time and it's only when we get to that critical point where we have a fracture that we actually just realize just how low our bone density is yes yeah no it is so true but there is some good news i was looking at some resources before our podcast today and you know strength training and resistance training has some benefit you know that whole weight bearing as well so here you go here I'm throwing all these different words at you so it's up to Angela (laughs) to make sense of it. Let's bring it right back (laughs) look what the um, the research does say is that any exercise is good and when we're talking about exercise we're not talking just about incidental movement that we will be trying to do as much as possible for all the other good reasons during that day but doing really targeted exercise and specifically uh, weight bearing exercise by weight bearing exercise uh, we're talking about exercise where we actually you know put our feet on the ground our feet are touching the ground and that can be walking that can be running that can be dancing playing tennis um, what else throw some ideas I mean, there's skipping like, skipping um, yeah tai chi uh, yeah. you know anything where we're doing an exercise where we have our feet um, you know sort of making real contact with the ground so which exercise is not weight bearing well you know things such as swimming obviously it's good for other reasons um, gets a heart rate up it's good for for joints you know not putting strain on our joints which will be very useful for many people as well but it's not a weight bearing exercise and therefore our bones are not getting that same sort of impact 
with the ground, which is what they need in order to become stronger. Another one is cycling. Again, you know, no one's going to argue, you know, you, you just need to look at the Tour de France people to know just <laughs> what human, you know, superhuman efforts are needed to actually do an exercise like that, you know, at that level. But it's not weight bearing. So because your feet's not getting that pounding on the ground, it's not going to have that same impact. And the type of exercise where we do maximize the impact, which are things such as um, jumping, you know, mm-hmm. skipping, um, you know, some of the HIIT training, you know, where people do really sort of hard, you know, really hard continuous sort of resistance exercise. Um, that is really, you know, super good for our bone health and our bone density mm-hmm. as well. But obviously, you know, it's horses for courses. Not everyone is going to be suited to certain types of exercises yeah. depending on where they are. So, Angela, in terms of weight bearing, you know, walking comes to mind. We mm-hmm. can all do that mostly. Um, do we need to do anything more than that, like in terms of... Our weight-bearing exercise? To actually improve our bone density, yes, we do. And there's been quite a lot of research done on this. And even if you look at the research, it's all over the place Mm -hmm. in terms of what their findings are. But uh, I'd say um, as an overview, what comes back from the research is that walking is is very good for you because it is weight-bearing, but it won't necessarily improve your bone density. It'll maintain it where it's at. So in order to actually improve it, especially if you feel that you're at risk, either because of your age, because you've had illness, you're on medication, which can really, you know, contribute to, you know, making your bones more brittle, then you do need to do more to actually improve that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So uh, not, not to say that walking is not good. Absolutely. You know, definitely, yes. you know, yeah. walking is definitely the starting point. But And the thing is, unless you can walk well, it's very hard to do other things well, you know, that yeah. are harder than that. Yeah. That's right. And that's where the whole just general movement, balance, coordination, which mm. we've talked about before yes. as being important in our activity routine, mm-hmm. that if we don't have that, we can't really do the weight-bearing mm. or strength exercise, can we? Yes. And actually, that's, that's a really um, very um, interesting point, a very valid point. So I might just elaborate on that if you mm. don't mind, Sally No, definitely. In order to actually do, say, strength training, which many of us associate with either lifting weights or um, resistance bands or, you know, adding in some external force to actually help us to, you know, go beyond our own body weight in, in, in doing exercise, which is, which is going to help us with our bone density. It does um, assume that we're starting with good movement patterns and good range of mobility. And the reality is many people aren't there. You know, we're not there, especially as we age, because um, either we've picked up some, you know, I'll call them bad habits. They're not that they're, they're bad, but, you know, if you've had an, you know, if you had an injury in the past and you've had to change how you move your arm or how you move your leg or things like that, things which are not making us move as smoothly as we should, if we actually add weight on top of those joints when they're not moving as they're intended to, we're only going to exacerbate a potential or lead to an injury as well. And we see that a lot, especially when we get to menopause and beyond, because as we lose the estrogen, especially in our ligaments, they're much more vulnerable to, you know, snapping and so on. And we do find that a lot because, you know, everyone says, oh, great, we've got, I've got to, you know, sort of lift some weights above my head. And the reality is unless we're, our shoulders are pretty healthy to start with, that's probably the worst thing we should be doing. We should really go back to basics really start to get those really good movement patterns sorted first. And so posture, more so, you know, and, you and know, our posture whenever, and our balance. Yeah. Whenever we start talking about this, when Angela's talking, of course, you can't see me. I start <laughs> Suddenly her shoulders go back, back you know. And, and it's like, well, I'm not alone. I no, sit at a computer I, for a lot of the day. So if yeah. my posture's not right and I'm trying to do things above my head, yeah. I could end up with a weight on my head probably. No. <laughs> but I, I mean, I always bring the other shoulders as a, as a really nice example of where not having 
having good posture is it can impact you and injure you you know if you if you've got a little bit of a forward hunch you know either you know because you've spent you know years of your life in front of a desk or you know we start to get that you know that you as we age you see many people with that forward lean in their in their back your shoulders can't get that whole mobility you can't get full mobility in your shoulders and if you can't get full mobility in your shoulders you can't lift a weight above your head or if you try to lift a weight you do it at the expense of popping your ribs out and kinking your low you know it's really overarching your lower back and that's only going to cause injury let me just explain angela's not trying to put you off no no (laughs) but but it just reminds us it's very much like with nutrition laura you've got to get to the basics if we don't have that foundation right yeah we're going to cause potentially more harm than good absolutely and that's what we we don't want that and and also look we say we want to get the foundation right sometimes we can't because you know what what you know it's happened before depending on where we are in our age or what injury we're nursing you know we've had to nurse we may not be able to get the foundations right but we get to know our body and when we know what we can and what we can't do through that improved body awareness then we know what sort of exercise we can progress we can use to progress us and what we can't you know if we know that lifting something above our head is is not going to work for us and for our current posture or or because we've already got you know an injured shoulder then that's not the sort of exercise you should be doing you know and but it does mean you can, you can work your shoulders in other ways you know you can lift weights out to the side you can push you can pull things without necessarily needing to go above your head is, is something like um you know because you know I, I do some yoga and so forth so when you do like a plank and mm-hmm. those sort of postures in yoga is that considered as resistant or weight bearing or absolutely what, in fact, shoulders? and and, and those exercises are really good because as women, we tend to be weaker than men when it comes to the upper body. We're just not made the same mm-hmm. same as men to have big muscle mass up there. Um, and let's face it, you know, when when people do um, often suffer breakages later in life, it's the wrists that will be the um, you know the area where we feel it as well. And um, yeah. if your planks are really good for actually building strength in the in those in those bones right through the wrists, right through those muscles there as well, and the shoulders as well, because you're you're nicely loaded especially you know if you've got if you're learning to do planks it it really is good to do it under supervision because you want to make sure that those wrists are right under your shoulders and it's sometimes it's hard to visualize where you are in space unless you've got a trainer or someone gently guiding you and you know helping to adjust you in the right position in in my reading you know prior to um, our discussion today I sort of started thinking about that, you know, in terms of, as we we're saying before, you know, walking is really good maybe for your legs and for your hips and pelvis mm. and so forth. But we need to do something else for our for upper, upper body. That's um, right. And that's when I started thinking about some of the things I do in yoga and thinking, mm. oh, well, that may count, you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't necessarily need to be that you're, you're lifting up a weight no. or pulling a band, you know, just having that yeah. that direct impact on your wrists is, is really yeah. good. And yeah. And we also, t- and the other thing too is it's an area where we lose mobility. You know, if someone has not done that for a long time, um, and you try to do it, you'll find that your wrists don't even bend to ninety degrees. And, oh. and, and look, Angela, and, when I and with practice, it will get better. You know, I know. Yeah. and when I started the yoga, um, in fact, the instructor was saying, you know, your wrists might feel sore, yeah. and it was the case. If yeah. if anything, yeah, it was probably my wrists, wrists yeah. that really felt it when yeah. I was doing those sort of postures where I was holding my body That's weight right. mm. and, and often as as instructors when we you know when we do have you know you know 
clients, students that come to us and they have the limited mobility, then we can work around it because we can actually have little props we can do to make mm. their wrists a little bit higher than their fingers. And thus the angle from the arm to the to the to the um, to the hand is not quite as as, as severe, yeah. so it's easier to do it. And then you you know, and I find right, with yeah. after a few weeks, it's just amazing how quickly you know, fairly quickly the body adapts to it. Yeah. You know, when people yeah. you know, are and, consistent. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because often what puts us off doing exercise or new exercise is, can I do it? Is it yeah. going to hurt? If I hurt myself, like actually injure myself, mm. then I'm going to be worse off than where mm. I am today. So. I think that's really important that you do get the support yeah. from a trainer or a fitness instructor to get a program that's going to work for you. Absolutely. And it is, look, it is an investment um, for many people, but quite often it's just getting yourself started and to that point where you start to know your body and, and you get have that awareness and you pick up good movement habits. Because once you've got those fundamentals right, then you can get into more serious resistance training, and yeah. uh, and it's a shame because many people don't go there because they've been burnt with it with an early injury or a mishap, and it, and it's yeah, you sort of lose out on all the benefits yeah. of you know getting to that point where yeah. you can actually do it with a bit more competence. Yeah. Yeah. So Angela, in terms of bone strength, you know, we were talking before mm-hmm. that. It's not just about bones, it's about muscle. And in particular, I was saying to, to you about, you know, looking at the research around, you know, weight maintenance, you know, coming in more from a nutrition point of view and lifestyle point of view. And that when we lose weight, especially if it's a low calorie mm. or low kilojoule diet, we lose bone. Muscle. Yeah, muscle, <laughs> but muscle. we also lose bone. Yes, and it's something yeah. that I have to be honest, I hadn't really thought mm. of for a while. You know, there's lots of issues about, and you know, ladies who are used to listening to my podcast know, you know, yes, our, if we, we crash diet, you know, our metabolic rate drops, mm. we then get this rebound overeating, the loss of muscle mass you were talking about, but it's a loss of bone mass that I hadn't really thought about as well for ladies especially after menopause yes. it becomes really an important time um, to get a way of eating and movement that you can maintain that's not yeah. this all or nothing but would you like to talk a little bit about that relationship between bone it, strength it and muscle? relationship and, and i will say that post menopause also it's it's much it's much harder to get that density back as well so that's why have you know not doing that yo-yoing um, you know, sort of going onto your your diet and you're going hardcore with exercise and then falling off the bandwagon and then starting again and falling off again. It's not very healthy um, because you're much better off doing starting with less and building it up over time and, and being a bit kinder to yourself as you build it up rather than going you know all out and yeah. trying to uh, yeah. to to go yeah. into these you know yeah. into this sort of lifestyle. But yes, in terms of the relationship between the two. Uh, I've, they're so closely interlinked to each other. I, I speak to them as being the one issue in many yeah. respects yeah. because what holds our bones in place? It's not, it's not some sort of anti-gravitational force. It's our muscles. <laughs> so unless we have strong muscles, we can't have strong bones. Mm-hmm. And the stronger, you know, and, and that's how it works. What gives strength to the bones 
is the strength in the muscles. So the more we can strengthen our muscles, um, the more the bones have to, I guess, come to the party and do their job. And that in itself helps to build that bone density. And that's how we do it in exercise. It's not necessarily that um, there's a direct um, force on the bone when we're doing exercise. It's the adaptation of the muscle, Mm. which then leads to an adaptation in the bone because it's got more muscle to hold up. It's got more muscle to actually um, resist against when you know you're actually mm-hmm. moving mm-hmm. and that's how we build uh that's how we build both muscle and bone strength as well so and that's why coming back to strength training it is so important and that mm-hmm. way by actually mm-hmm. incorporating that type of resistance training into our fit you know into our exercise and fitness routine is mm. is really important yeah yeah but mm-hmm. like you said you you need all those sorts of yeah. activities you know it's yeah. not just about lifting weights or doing mm-hmm. downward dogs or planks in yoga it's about moving and most importantly, enjoying the movement yeah. too. And when it comes to um, you know the um, the research, what it does say is that the best benefit you know and you know and I've looked at it quite a bit also in the lead up to this is that it's not just the strength training that's going to make the big impact. It's when you do combination exercises, which is you're doing the stuff that gets your heart rate up, you're doing the um, aerobic exercise, which also has an element of that impact on yes. the ground. You know, yeah. where, you know if it's you know if you, and if you do have you know build up to having the ability to to jog or to, to, you know, to dance and lift your feet off the ground or, or yes. things like that, that'll actually help as well. So you put all these together and that's what helps to create a healthier yeah. base for the body. Yeah. What about going up step? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that would be better than just walking on flat ground? Definitely. Yeah. And obviously people say, well, obviously it's a bit, it's a bit yeah. harder, isn't it? <laughs> Anything that's hard is usually tougher. But, uh, but what it does is, yeah, twofold. Firstly, you, you're actually building your cardio, you know, your um, aerobic resistance as well. But you're actually uh, making those muscles, especially yeah. your legs work much harder. Yeah. And it, they say it's especially um, uh, the leg exercises which are things such as going upstairs, doing squats, those sorts of exercises that have the biggest impact on the bone density of our inner, inner hip joints. Yeah. So, you know, those lower body exercises and, yeah, climbing steps, anyone will tell you. We all have felt sore after a day of climbing. You know, if you ever do a walk, it's got lots of steps. We all come away knowing that we've really worked those muscles. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah no, that's really good. Any other tips, Angela, you'd like to share on activity i think we've covered a lot of things haven't we, we have like, i think the important thing is to try i think we touched on it before is try and make it as much of a, a lifestyle yeah. thing you know in that you're not you know bone density is not going to change in a week or a month or three months i mean it will start to but it's the longer term um you know continuation of doing different types of movement that's going yeah. to yeah. to actually you know make you know, make you see the differences in it and it's and again, it, it always comes back to a very similar theme is that, that everything that's good for the bones is going to be good for the heart. It's going to be good for our joints. Uh, it, it's also interlinked, isn't it? But yeah. just, just having that consistency of just improving yeah. and just having good foundations. Yeah. And, and that's what I like about movement. It's a little bit more clear cut than what nutrition is. And I, yes. and I was <laughs> sharing some of this with Angela off air about some of my frustrations when I look at, you know, nutrition recommendations for different um, illnesses or lifestyle diseases, you know, it might be good for the bones, but, you know, is it good for cancer? You know, and they're, yeah. they're the questions where it becomes really interesting. And, and I, I'm just going to run through, you know, a few things that our community may not be aware of. And the, the research is showing that, you know, the eating of vegetables 
is just so important for our bone mineral density. And this is coming more from like epidemiology. So we're looking at associations and, and what the lifestyle choices are of people. So it's not like a clinical research where some people are getting one vegetable a day and some are getting seven. Um, it's more looking at average serve sizes and the types of vegetables. And I just sort of shake my head because I often think, you know, in this area of research, it's to me about what we're missing out on. And we know that in Australia, only about, I think it's less than 90% of adults actually eat the recommended five serves of vegetables a day. And so for me, it's always been this reflection about, well, maybe it's not so much what we're overeating, you know, in terms of maybe, you know, too many, you know, sugary mm. foods or too many fried foods. It could be the fact that we're just not eating enough, enough vegetables as well. And the thought behind this is that the vitamin C just helps with the bone production, but also there could be an antioxidant effect there in terms of preserving the bone as well, which is really important to remember. And then there's a little bit of research that's emerging around the importance of having vegetables because they're more alkaline in nature mm -hmm. uh, to balance out the protein we need which is more acidic in the body mm -hmm. as well as the grain foods that we need which are also acidic so it's a different type mm -hmm. of way of looking at at the vegetables uh, the grains and the protein foods rather than just thinking about the nutrients it's how they actually get processed in the body and what that balance ends up being yeah actually it's really interesting because often you know when we talk about you know what's good for the bones you know you'll get a lot of talk that just talks about you know more calcium or right. um, vitamin d and, and and of course they're pretty important yeah. but but how the body uses these nutrients um, is very large dependent on all the other micronutrients that you're talking about that you get in your vegetables and the body has to to actually um, have all these micronutrients in there in order to actually yeah. work efficiently otherwise yeah. and, and yeah. just on calcium you know it sort of makes me shudder where we go through and that's because of the research or the lack of research we have at the time mm. um you know, we all absorb calcium differently. And this is yes. why vitamin D is so important because that helps us uh, to increase the absorption of calcium. But we also know that it's better to spread the calcium out over mm. the day rather than having one big thousand milligram tablet or, you know, all your dairy at breakfast or something like that. It's about spreading it out mm. over the day. But also remembering that small fish like sardines mm. and whitebait, which we used to, uh, have back in New Zealand, um, they're high in calcium as well because we eat the bones mm. from the fish. And that was really our traditional source of calcium, yes. eating the small bones of fish, um, not so much from, from dairy. So it is fascinating. And, and just getting that balance right, and this is what does my head in. Like, you know, if you could see me now, I'm looking like a mad woman. <laughs> she's, she's just about to shake her head, folks. <laughs> Lose I'll, my I'll head. stop her if she goes too um, far. <laughs> you know, and, and again, you know, in the research of bone health, you know, mm. we can have too much protein or we not have yes. enough protein. Yeah. But guess what? If we follow the national guidelines, we're going to hit the mark. You know, so this is what annoys me with this excess protein, you know, to lose weight. Yeah, but it's crapping out your bones, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, if we don't get enough protein, we're not going to be able to build those muscles yes. that Angela was talking about as yes. well yes. that are important for... Um, yeah, bone bone density that's right. as well. And, and probably just the last thing I want to touch on here is that there's other nutrients like magnesium and zinc that are part of the mm. process here. And magnesium is really important to convert the vitamin D that we get from the sun into mm. the active form that helps the body 
mm-hmm. absorb the calcium. And this is what we, we don't know um, and we forget even as a healthcare practitioner, but there's all these interactions between the different vitamins, minerals, hormones, neurotransmitters, all sorts of things in the body. It's amazing. And and it's so personal as well. Exactly. And and this is where getting the nutrients from food Mm -hmm. keeps us in a much better place than thinking we can make up with supplements. And from the International Osteoporosis Organization, they're actually suggesting uh, if if you can't get enough calcium from three or four serves of dairy a day or those small fish with the bones, then no more than a 500 milligram or possibly a 600 milligram calcium supplement because if we have too much calcium, then we have problems with kidney stones, but also it increases our risk of heart attack. So it's a fine balance here. And, you know, I'm not obviously a dietitian, but I I tend to feel that people um, have far too much dairy already in their diets. You know, and, and I think the Dairy Corporation, you know, <laughs> national bodies have a lot to do with that in terms of telling us that the only way you're going to get your calcium is through dairy. And in the meantime, we're having five lattes a day and, you know, creamy desserts. All because, and we can justify them in cheese because they've got dairy in them. And the reality yeah. is you, you can actually go get your calcium from many other, other sources by having right. a, a nice, a good rounded diet. And, and yeah. certainly what we know about the dairy research, that the more fermented types of mm. dairy in terms of your cheeses and your yogurts uh, have other other health benefits, you know, for our gut bacteria, which also helps with this concept of balance. You know, if our gut's not working well, we're not going to absorb anything anyway. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many supplements you take. Mm-hmm. They're just going to go through your body. You're not going to absorb them. Um, you know, so you're quite right, Angela, that the dairy products are the highest sources of calcium, mm-hmm. but certainly even things like tofu. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, the small fish are a very yeah. important source of calcium. So... The other thing, obviously, with nutrition as well, and we touched on it before with this yo-yo weight, is finding a way of eating that you can maintain. So a very similar message, Angela, mm. to yours about that exercise that you can maintain and enjoy. And, and this is where, from an eating point of view, obviously the Eating For You approach is about mindful eating mm-hmm. and really getting in touch with what works for your own body. Yeah, And think of it as a long, long-term way of living. Because yeah. you just don't want to be doing things for just short-term gain. You really want this to be something that's going to keep you as, as strong yeah. and as healthy for as long as possible through your life. Yeah, that's right. Because every lady that I speak to, that's what they want. They want to be as healthy for as long as they can. They want to be able to you know, get on, a, on the ground and off the ground with their kids and their grandkids. You mm-hmm. know, and and they, if they're holidaying, do the walk up to the lookout, you know, yes. and things like that. And, and they're all the things that we remember, those little milestones, those, those little yes. achievements. I walked up to the lookout, Absolutely. you know, it might have been a thousand steps, but I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we need to, to put into perspective. So I think the message is clear from both of us today that it's really about finding a way of eating, moving, living that you can maintain. And I just wanted to say, make sure you're following Angela on Instagram. Uh, She has many uh, tips and tricks and exercises that she shares there. (laughs) We vary through showing exercises and, yeah, yeah, just lots of tips. So, yes, we try to keep it as as a well-rounded. And it's very much focused on on women sort of 40 and up in terms of everything, the content that we do as well. And that's um, the handle is fitandfabulous.com. 
dot online. Yes, and yeah. I'll be sharing that link uh, yeah. with this episode's post. And of course, if you've got any questions or concerns about not being able to maintain a healthier way of eating, that's something you're struggling with, I will leave the link uh, to my free 15-minute call so we can look at your biggest challenge and send you away with a tip that will get you started with a more mindful way of eating. So thank you, Angela. Well, thank you again for having me on your program. Yes, and thank you all for listening. And I look forward to sharing with you next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it on your Instagram or Facebook page. You have been listening to the Eating For You podcast with Sally Ann Pisk. If your current way of eating is not working for you, then join me in a free 15-minute mindful eating discovery call. If I can help you, I will provide you with a personalized tip to get you started with a way of eating that will bring lasting results for your weight and your health. And if I'm not the best person to help you, I will do my best to refer you on. The booking link is included with this episode's notes.